um, to Boone, Iowa, and to, to Cedar Falls, and Waterloo, and to Haiti, and to Uganda, and um, it's a joy to be a part of that. It's a joy to be part of this network church, and so I send greetings to you this morning uh, from the Waterloo, Cedar Falls uh, area. Um, we are part of Candeo Church, which is a plant of Cornerstone, just like you guys um, are as well. We got launched in about 2013, so about uh, five years ago. Um, and God has been doing some amazing things. A lot of the same waters you guys are navigating, we've navigated it a little bit just in front of you guys. And so I send you greetings. Uh, we just finished up a study in Acts um, up at Candeo. We've been teaching through, and it's fun to go, oh, wow, it seems like some of that is going on here in our network. And so I send you greetings from Candeo Church up in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls um, area. As Matt said earlier, um, we're here today in, in, in kind of a cool connection um, with you guys uh, through Matt. My family's actually here with me, my wife and my uh, uh, daughters. My son is over there in um, uh, D6, and then my mom came over as well. Um, but our, our life didn't just intersect um, with Stonebridge and you guys via our church network. That's an awesome thing. I celebrate that. But Matt and I have a history that goes way back. And as much as Matt talked about this is what it looks like for disciples to make disciples. Um, I'm telling you guys, it's just fun to be part of watching God sovereignly work in people's lives through time. And when I found out that Matt and Heather were coming here to be uh, one of your pastors here, I'm like, how awesome is this? Um, but my history with Matt goes all the way back to Clinton, Iowa. Um, Matt, I got to watch him. Uh, Julie and I intersected with his life uh, back in like 2001 uh, when we moved to Clinton and we were part of Clinton Evangelical Free Church. Um, and when you have an opportunity to engage with somebody like this, you start to reminisce. And so I actually brought some photos <laughs> of Matt from um, when he was a youth. Um, Matt, I don't know what you're, I think this was during a camp outing or something like that, but Matt was this awesome, full of energy. I don't have to tell you guys this. He didn't just, he didn't just grow into that. He was always that way. Um, and I think we've got some slides from when he, he actually took mission trips too. He went down to Honduras with a, a team. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that Matt had a gifting in puppetry or puppeteering. Um, so maybe you can exploit that gift a little bit more. Um, but much like, uh, God just surrounded him with people, other people that poured into him. Um, we've got some other photos, I think, where he's just, he was part of a team of people. Um, and it's going to help us see in our passage today that we need each other, right? And Matt... Matt is continuously at this place where, you know, he's kind of rocking it. I think this was at uh, some concert we went to down in Des Moines or something like that. And I think my favorite picture of all of them was this last one. <laughs> this actually goes all the way back to the Napoleon Dynamite days. For some of you that remember that, I can't remember where I got this group of glasses, but this is one of your pastors, right? <laughs> awesome. It's, it's fun as I, I got the opportunity to just kind of reminisce and see how God had intersected our lives. Um, I started going back and I went, one of my most notable stories, and my wife actually brought to this my attention as I kind of thought back through some stuff, which I think has a cool connection with our passage in 1 Corinthians 12, which we're going to be in today, um, is this, is that uh, we did a lot of football. We like to play football. Um, it, it youth had, uh, over in Clinton, and on Sunday afternoons we get together, and we play tackle football. Um, a lot of people complain about head injuries. We did a lot of stuff from like, I can't we believe we came out of there in one piece. But um, in one particular Sunday afternoon, we're out playing football. And I can't remember, Matt will have to fill in the gap some other time. I can't remember if Matt got tackled or if he tackled somebody. But in the midst of this time, 
um, Matt gets out of this pile of whatever, and Matt had, like, severely dislocated his elbow. Like, just picture his arm going out like this, and then it took kind of a 90-degree turn and, like, went. It looked bad. And so within the moment, as the responsible youth leader as I was, I'm looking at this, and Matt's in a lot of pain, and I'm going, oh, well, this is easy. I mean, if it's, there's no bone sticking out, it doesn't look that bad. I think I'll just get somebody here. I think my initial thought was I could do this, but I'm like, let's just get somebody here, and they'll just pull on it really hard and get it locked back into place, and we'll be good to go, right? That seriously was in my mind. It's not that big of a deal. It's a dislocated arm. Uh, so we had a, a, a gentleman by the name of Jim Norman um, who was part of our church uh, at Clinton E. Free, and he's a, he was a physical therapist. And we call him up, and we're like, Jim, hey, can you come down here? In my mind, I'm thinking he's just going to pull this thing out and lock it back into place. Thankfully, Jim got there and saw the complete absurdity of something like that. It was stupid. And he said, Matt needs to go to the emergency room. And I think Matt was there the rest of the rest of the day and got his, uh, his arm put back together. I say that to say this, is that I am so glad that God did not fill Clinton Evangelical Free Church with a bunch of Scott Riegers. Because if he had, Matt's life, I, at least I know his arm, would look radically different than what it now uh, what it now is. Because I say all that because I think it's a great practical example this morning as we jump into 1 Corinthians 12 of God-designed diversity of giftings within his church. And it's a good thing that we need to celebrate. The diversity that God gifted to us in our giftings should not lead to division. And we're going to see that in our passage this morning. So I'm going to ask you guys to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in verse 12 through the end of the chapter. And as you guys are turning there, I kind of want to hit the refresh button real quick if I can. Again, to touch base uh, back with the greater context of 1 Corinthians. Remember, 1 Corinthians, as Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth, he's writing to a church that was divided. And I find it interesting that it was, he spent so much time talking about unity because the Corinthian church, um, their members were really more concerned with other things. There were concerns we saw earlier on, you know, with, I, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, you know, who, who am I following? Who's the guy that I'm championing under? Um, how, what, is the, what are the giftings that I have? And do I have a really awesome gift? And it was so much more about what God was doing or what they thought God was doing through them individually and who they were following than how they might be used to contribute to the greater body. Paul Sabino, one of our, uh, the lead teaching pastor at Candeo, put it this way when I told him I was going to come down. He goes, you know, how interesting is this? As jacked up as the church in Corinth was, Paul didn't begin his letter going after the most prominent of sins which were going on. You know, they had the really messed up relationship with the, the guy and his mother-in-law. They were being drunk at communion. They were totally treating communion the wrong way. Like you would have thought if I was writing a letter, I would have gone after those things first. And Paul doesn't do that. He spends the front the front part of 1 Corinthians talking about unity and the importance of unity. And it's with that context that we're going to see today that Paul talks again about unity within the diversity of giftings that, he, that he's given his body, the diversity that we should be celebrating. And then stepping back, just Matt taught a couple of weeks ago, um, the gifts and walk through what they were and realizing that, you know what, these gifts are for the common good of God's body. They're not for the individual edification so that I can raise and be like, look how awesome Scott Rieger is. The giftings that God has given us is for a contribution to a unity that God wants to see in our body. 
And it's that context that pushes us into 1 Corinthians 12 and will take us through the end of the chapter. So if you've got your Bibles with me, let's start. We're just going to start in verse 12. It says this, it says, For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. I want to pause there for just a second as I can, because I look at this, and if you guys want a great summary to the rest of 1 Corinthians 12, you could camp on verse 12. The human body is one. The human body has many parts, and the parts of the human body work together as one body. It's amazing summary that captures the spirit of what Paul is trying to drive home. And you're actually going to see this repeated throughout um, our reading this morning in the text. And it, it appears that Paul is going to make this logical kind of connection between the human body as God's designed it and how that equates to Christ's body, to us, right? And, and I, f- I find it interesting that God would take this design that he made in creation and what is our human bodies and one day use that to point us to what he was going to build in our church. So I did a little bit of, I'll call it research, and research often days, nowadays I, I talk about this with my oldest daughter Addison, is that research is I Googled it, right? I didn't just Wikipedia it, I Googled it and did some other things. So if you're a doctor, a nurse, um, a PA, anybody in the medical field, if I jack this up, you can come up here and correct me afterwards. But um, I want to pause and go, what is it, you know, the human body is comprised of nine different systems. I had to go back and look at this. The musculoskeletal system, the digestive system, the respiratory system, the urinary system, the reproductive system, the endocrine system or our glands, the circulatory system, the nervous system, and the integumentary system or our skin. And I look at that and go, that's, that's a lot of systems, right? But all of those systems, all of those unique tasks that those systems perform within our body are essential. And you take one of those out there and the body doesn't function as a whole as in, intended. And I started looking at this and I went, so my muscular, musculoskeletal system, it's awesome. And it seems to be one of the most permanent parts of our body, right? We see the muscles, we see the, the bones and everything like that. We see that structure. None of that does any good if, if I don't have a digestive system that can take the food intake and the things that God designed my body to take in and then turn into fuel and other things to grow my body. I don't have a digestive system. My musculoskeletal system doesn't last very long. And if, if I don't have that respiratory system, right, to take the oxygen out of the air and get it into my body and then get rid of all the carbon dioxide in my body— my, everything else doesn't work. My, di- my digestive system is going to shut down, right? All of these systems in our body do a unique purpose, but they function together so that the body is whole and functions as God intended. Now, within those systems is there's approximately 80 different organs. I mean, depending on how you, I guess, call an organ an organ, And each of those organs functions in a very unique, specific thing in order for my body to function as well as God intended. And as I I, I went through this and I started looking at why would Paul make the connection between our human bodies and Christ's body, it it seemed like an epiphany moment for me. I'm like, you think God might have been thinking from the beginning at creation 
is he knew that the church was gonna be his plan A. There is no plan B to get the gospel to the nations, to the world. It's the church. You think that God would have thought that through in creation and said one day this design that I, I this different, the different components of the body um, that I'm gonna design in, in human form would one day point us to what his church was gonna look like? And I thought it was a great thing to, I think that's why Paul would stop and, get, and go, this is, this is gonna be a model what God was gonna design the church around. And we're gonna see repeatedly this morning is how that diversity of giftings that God has given his body should be celebrated because when it all comes together, right, it's a sweet and awesome thing. But then I see this really cool thing that Paul does and I love how Paul stops in verse 13 to lay out the why. Because I look around at this congregation and I, even when we were sitting here before the service started and we're just praying over the morning, Matt brought it up. He's like, look at the just the different diversity of giftings we even have on our worship team. I look around the room and I don't see anybody that looks exactly alike. Do we have any twins in here? I always hate when people do that too, right? When they ask you to, to raise your hand, right? We're all different. Everybody in this room, God has designed dined differently. And so you might look at this and go, well, then how do all these different people come together? And we see the key to that in verse 13. It says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And I love the fact that Paul stops here because I think it's important to remember that the reason that this, this kind of mishmash or maybe I shouldn't use the term mishmash, but this diversity of people that God would bring together is bound up under one banner and that's Jesus Christ. And it's held together through one spirit and that's the Holy Spirit. Dr. Tom Constable would put it this way. He'd say the baptism of the Holy Spirit makes us a part of the body and puts us all on equal footing. It is why all believers, regardless of sex, race, job, socioeconomic status, are united as one in one spirit. I know we talk about this a lot in our network. Guys, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And how sweet is it that God would use the Holy Spirit to take these jacked up people that we are who are dead in our sins and we're deserving of an eternity separated from God and that Jesus would die, would, would pay our, live a perfect life, die the penalty that you and I both deserve and then raise again on the third day defeating sin. That's what unifies us and the Holy Spirit brings us all together in that. Matt said a couple weeks ago when he taught uh, the first part of 1 Corinthians 12, he said that the Holy Spirit's job is to shine a spotlight on Jesus. Can you think of a greater way for the Holy Spirit to shine a spotlight on Jesus than to be like, look what I am going to do in this world created of different people, two sexes, different socioeconomic statuses, different races, different wirings, type A's, type B's, and that they would all be brought together under the unity of the Holy Spirit? You want to talk about a sweet way to shine a spotlight on Jesus, the Holy Spirit does that? He does that because he unifies us in one spirit. And Paul's reminding the Corinthian church, of like, don't forget that. We talk about preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. I think this is a, a huge part of it. How awesome is it that what Satan would intend to build barriers with, i.e. our differences, the Holy Spirit says, no, watch this. I'm gonna unify them together. God's gonna superintend to build his church with these differences that he's created in us because we're united as one 
in the Holy Spirit under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I love that Paul stopped uh, to put that there. And then as we, as, as Paul, we're going to continue to see here, he caps it off with verse 14, which says, so the body is not one part, but many. And this will be something that we see repeatedly throughout this chapter, is this idea of diversity of giftings is a good and awesome thing that should be celebrated. And when we do that, it contributes to unity. Well, as we continue on and uh, through the end of verse 20, I'm going to pick up in verse 15. Paul is about to lay out some kind of, I'll call them no-duh comments. That was a big thing. I'm, I'll be 43 here this next week. And I remember a large part of my life where it seemed people said no-duh. Somebody would say something obvious. Paul kind of does that here. He throws out some things in these next verses which kind of make you go, boy, this should seem obvious, but oftentimes I need an obvious thing to remind me of what's true. Verse 15, he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And if they were all part, or if they are all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. Evidently, it seems like, as you look through the rest of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, the Corinthians were striving towards some idea of unanimity, where they're all kind of wired the same. And Paul's going, um, you guys need to appreciate that that's not actually what God designed at all. Is that God, in, in, in his sovereignty, was going to go that a, a spiritually mature church is going to be a diverse church with different giftings where everybody's all in and they're being used. That's a healthy body. Just like all of our bodies, all of our, all of our organs are functioning together, Paul is pointing towards that. And Paul draws out the ridiculousness of comparison, I think, in verse 15 and 16. Sometimes I kind of need just the wake-up call of like, did you realize what you just said and how ridiculous that is? And I think Paul's doing that here in verses 15 and 16. Oftentimes, when we're gifted differently, we have a tendency to look out and go, oh man, I, I really wish I could teach like Matt does. Like he seems to come up here and it's just so natural for him. And all I, all I really do is I just do this. And man, my gift just isn't as good as Matt's. When we do those types of things, when we compare the gifting that God has given us with other people, you know what we're essentially saying? We're essentially doing what those parts of the body do. We're essentially going, I don't really belong to the body. And it's ridiculous. And I don't say that to be flippant with. I'm saying that to go, no, that should call us to change the way that we think and repent of that. Um, my understanding is, is that uh, your associate pastor, Joey, um, has some giftings, and then he has some giftings where maybe he's not as gifted. My understanding is perhaps he was teaching a couple weeks ago. I told Joey beforehand, I'm like, dude, you're a guy I want to follow in humility because I asked the elder team, I'm like, can I play this? Like, is this okay? Or I don't want to be the guy that comes in here and, you know, offends and be like, I can't believe he came in here and did that. Joey, I love your humility in allowing that to, to be played. Imagine this, right? So, um, imagine, Joey, I'm just, I'm, 
I, I still want to make that my ringtone too. And I think you said you made that. I need to get you my phone just to have that. Imagine if Joey were to say, in hearing that and being like, I get it. I can't sing, right? I'm making a joyful noise to the Lord. I'm doing that just like he commanded me to do. But what if he were to say, get up in front of you and go, you know what, I can't sing. Therefore, I'm not a part of you guys. I'm not part of the body. You would pause and you would go, did you just hear what she just said? That's like, that's ridiculous, right? And, and that is what Paul is trying to draw out with the Corinthian church. He's essentially saying, are you guys listening to yourself? If the, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, you're still a part of the body, right? And sometimes it takes that kind of shock value to go, that's right, I don't want to be that. I want to repent of the comparison. Comparisons are ridiculous, don't waste mental energy in comparing whether or not your gift is greater than other person's or going, ah, oh, man, I wish I was like that. Rejoice in the gifting that God has given you and be like, man, I am glad that I got a guy like that that can teach the Bible and expose what God has in his word for me. He may not be able to carry a tune, but we got Shane to do that, <laughs> right? And other people. And it's, it's just this, this, Paul draws out this ridiculous comparison, but Paul also draws out the ridiculous of, ridiculousness of uniformity um, in verses 17 through 20. We have a specific contribution to a greater body, right? And we see that even with our own bodies. That's why Paul is making this, this drawing out here. The Corinthian church seemed to, to place value on, on, on what they would deem greater giftings. And one of the things that often goes too quickly is they seem to be enamored with this gift of speaking in tongues. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because it was, it's a more prominent gift and prominent in terms of people can see it and they can hear it. But it seemed that they had this incorrect like, hey, that's the, most, that's the gift that I want. If I don't have that, I'm not part of the body. And Paul's basically going, dude, God did not design us to be uniform. Could you um, imagine if, if everybody um, could sing, but we had no teachers? Or could you imagine if we had everybody that could teach and couldn't sing? Or who's, who's going to do the administrative stuff? I was talking with Shane beforehand um, and how God has uniquely wired he and his wife differently, but they're compatible so that they mesh together and, and function, and I see that in in terms of there is a ridiculousness ridiculousness of uniformity that we should look at and go. I'm glad God did not design us all the same way. I mean, imagine if you know on the body part theme. Imagine if if God made a bunch of uh, people speaking in tongues, we'd essentially be a gigantic tongue, um, and that's just gross. Like giant tongues walking around. And I told the elder team, I said, one of my, whatever reason I got on this musing when I started thinking of, I'm glad God designed um, different giftings is, um, if you had this giant tongue walking around, why is it that all the weird Star Wars characters always seem to look like a giant tongue? I don't know why, I just saw the the movie Solo, I don't know why that connection was in there, but it's gross, A a body composed of only one organ isn't a body, it's a monstrosity. It's gross, a giant ear, giant eye, um, all of these things, Paul is drawing out the ridiculousness of uniformity. There is necessity of having diversity in a body in order for it to operate in unity. And this necessity flows out of the idea that as we are all submitted to how God has wired us and what he has designed us for, um, and God has intended his function, the body functions really well when we're surrendered to what God's going to do. This necessity 
or this diversity is very, very necessary in order for God to function his body the way that he intended. I keep thinking along these lines of without my heart, my brain, my lungs, and everything functioning the way that they were designed, my body gets jacked up pretty quick um, in an awful big hurry. And I think that the same things applies to our, our, our churches. Um, I'm just imagining if my heart were going, man, I have such a boring job. The brain seems to get all the attention. All I do is pump blood over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm kind of this gross-looking thing, although the brain doesn't look much cooler. But imagine if my heart would be like, if I could just be the brain just for a short amount of time, I could really kill it at that. I'd be dead pretty quick. And again, it seems like such an obvious comparison to make, but it's so true because Paul reminds us of the diversity of giftings that he's given us. And what I really find myself asking, and it's going to shoot us into verse 18, is am I willing to rest in the function that God has designed me for? And the verse that jumps out to this every time when I start to hear the lies of Satan who's whispering, you know what, your, your gifting really isn't what it, it should be. You got to you know, check this out. It's Isaiah twenty nine sixteen. Right? Isaiah twenty nine sixteen points us to the fact that, that we should we should be surrendered to who God is and how he's designed us. It says um, in Isaiah twenty nine sixteen, it's in my brain, and I'm watch this going to flow out of there. Um, it's basically talking about how, well, here you go. Instead of, the beauty of trying to do scripture memory is when at least when you know the references at, you can jump right back to it. Isaiah twenty nine sixteen says this. It says, um, you have turned things around as if the potter were the same as the clay. How can what is made say about its maker? He didn't make me. How can what is formed say about the one who formed it? He doesn't understand what he's doing. This idea of diversity of design and how God has designed us and being submitted to that pushes us in um, to verse 18. And it really brings us back to the sovereign purposes of God, which as I studied through the text, it really grabbed my attention. Verse 18 says this, it says, but now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And I looked at that and went, that's how if, if God, the author of my salvation, who met my greatest need in Jesus Christ, right? If, if I can trust him with my eternal salvation, I think I can trust him with how he would uniquely design the church and how he would put those things together uh, to make it there. And I'm just, I want to be surrendered to God's sovereign design and his diversity. And really that shoots us in um, to the next set of verses that I want to go through. So um, I want to start in verse 21. It says, so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We often find ourselves saying, I don't need you to other parts of the body. And I think that really flows out of our pride. We either say two things. We either say, hey, we, we don't really need you. We got that covered because we think we have it all. We think we've got all the giftings are the most important ones. Or we use that lie to be like, you know what? I'm not really needed here. And guys, I'm telling you, we are all needed. And that flows out of our pride. 
this pride that we fight in our gifting can often promote that idea of, I don't need other people. I got, we got, we got Matt, we got Joey, right? We got Shane, what really do we need, you know, for me? Guys, that's just not true. Is that God uses all of us in our specific giftings in order for his body to function as he intended. And what we need to see is because we have these different functions that we serve or that we are or serving in, is that that makes us dependent on each other. And that's a good thing. I know in my own heart, I'm often fearful of the word dependence. I hear dependence and I think, ah, I've got something lacking. And I'm like, no, God made us dependent people, ultimately on him for our salvation. But dependence on each other is a good thing. And oftentimes, the parts that seem to us to be weaker parts, God sees as invaluably necessary. Don't think for one minute that you have an invaluable part to play in our body. Oftentimes, and that's why Paul spent time talking about the unpresentable parts that are there, is he's trying to identify what are the inconspicuous parts of your body that you're not paying proper honor to. That's the connection he's making here in these verses. And so it made me stop and go, do we even know what these parts are in our churches? Do we know what the inconspicuous parts are of Kandeo or of uh, Stonebridge? Guys, my call to you and to me is to be like, know who those are. Know who's serving back in D6. Those inconspicuous parts that aren't up here, like the head. You see see our faces. You see my head. That's easy to see. There's other parts of my body that you don't see because they're covered up. They're They're more inconspicuous. And Paul is saying, treat them with honor. Honor them. Talk about them well with other people. See the value of the inconspicuous parts that exist in your church and celebrate those. And as we do those, right, as we do all these things, all this concern for the body that God has that we should have for each other promotes unity. We can practically cover our unpresentable parts as Paul's talking about here by regularly honoring the parts that don't get a lot of the the show, if you want to call it that. Now, I'm not trying to say don't honor your leaders, the people that are upper, but what I'm saying is, Don't forget about those other parts. Cover those up. Take care for them. It drives us towards unity. And what often we constantly fight, I fight this all the time, you guys, with this idea of unity is my pride. I am a prideful person. I love to hear Scott Rieger mentioned in a surface. I love to hear this. That's my pride, guys. That's the sinful pride that comes out of all of us. And what fights against that pride is, is when we have equal concern for the presentable parts and the unpresentable parts. I've recently been reading through the screw tape letters, and some of you may be familiar with that, some of you may not. C.S. Lewis wrote this book back in the 30s and 40s, I believe, right around World War II. It's basically a satire of screw tape, a senior demon, writing to Wormwood, um, a lesser demon. And he's just exposing what's true about how Satan decides to tempt us, right? And within this, he brings up this great thing, which I think captures what we're fighting against and what God wants us uh, to move towards. And so you can just see it up there. It says to anticipate the enemy strategy. And in this book, the enemy is God, right? Screwtape is being like, we're fighting a battle against the enemy. But he says this, he says to anticipate the enemy's strategy, we must consider his aims. The enemy wants to bring the man to a state of mind in which he could design the best cathedral in the world without being any more or less or otherwise glad at having done it than he would if it had been done by another. 
The enemy wants him in the end to be so free of any bias in his own favor that he can rejoice in his own talents as frankly and gratefully as in his neighbor's talents. I love that. That's the spirit that God wants to promote in us. And it's a spirit we actually see in Romans 12, 3. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, going through this, but if you guys want a great parallel passage, if you want to hey, uh, go, hey, I want to, when you hear it repeated, it's true. Romans 12, or uh, yeah, Romans 12, 3 through about 6 is a great parallel passage to put in there. Um, it mirrors what God's heart wants for us. And that's, we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought, right? God wants this idea of like, remember that your giftings that you have come from God and God alone. Celebrate the ones that other people have as well and fight for that unity and the diversity of gifts. God's plan in having combined members is so that the members of the spiritual body would demonstrate a mutual concern for the well-being of others so that rivalry would cease and genuine unity would exist. The Bible knowledge knowledge commentary drew this out, and I thought it was so good, is that God desires there to be no division in the body and that the members would have the same concern for each other. And it made me ask, do do we do that? Like, do we, we suffer together well? Do we rejoice with each other well as it draws out there um, towards the end of um, verse 26? Yesterday, I was uh, taking a walk with my daughter Taylor, and she was riding in a wagon, and she stuck her hand down to grab something, and I didn't know it, but I ran over her finger with the tire, and she just had this mangled pinky. And I guarantee you, if you asked her last night, her whole body hurt. It wasn't just her pinky. Right? We should have this suffering, this mutual concern for each other when one part of the body hurts, the other party does too. But also, this is my conviction, do we rejoice together better when we have mutual concern because we recognize the diversity and giftings and how God has given us? Do we rejoice in that? Do I rejoice authentically with other parts? Do I love it when the Haiti team's up here? Do you guys realize when the Haiti team's going down there, you're going with them? Right? And Do you celebrate that? My own heart often finds myself going, I want to I be up there because I like the notoriety. Paul's saying we should suffer together better. We should rejoice together better because we have unity in the diversity of giftings that God's given us. And guys, this shoots us towards the end of the passage. I'm going to pick up in verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has placed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing various kinds of languages. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other languages? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. I love these last few verses because they springboard us. They're going to springboard us into chapter 13. Um, And I love this idea that the possession of the gift, whatever gift that we have, Let's not spend time worrying about is it a greater gift or gift, uh, you know, is it a lesser gift? Is what's the posture of my gift? And that posture should be love. And we see that in verse 31. Is Matt covered verse 28 a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but I love how Paul, even as he ends up with the chapter, takes verse 29 and 30 to remind us that we're not all gifted in the same way. When he asks those questions, he's trying to gall out or uh, draw out again. Do you see how we're, we're gifted differently? But regardless of which gift you have, and guys, I find this going in my own heart. I'm like, man, I don't want to be the person that settles in on wondering if my gift is greater or less. God settles everything with verse 31. 
And it's going to be a great springboard into chapter 13. I love how he settles it with being like, go ahead, desire the greater gifts. I will show you an even better way. And that better way is going to be the posture of love that we're going to see in chapter 13. Chief among these gifts was love. It was more important than the gifts. And when it was displayed, it was going to help correct the Corinthians. And I hope it corrects us um, as we look at our giftings. Guys, within the body of Christ, unity does not mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean we're all the same. We need the individual different giftings that God has sovereignly designed into the body of Christ in order for it to function as God is intended. I need to be reminded of that continuously. And what it made me think of is a story. I've been reading a book recently, and this is an excerpt from a book I've been reading um, about the importance of diversity of gifts. Um, And it made me think and look back to again, as we're part of a network of churches, Stonebridge, Candeo, Guys, we're aircraft carriers in the war for lost souls. We're not cruise ships, right? If you join up with the church thinking, hey, we're just here, what do you got for me? Boy, if you haven't seen it by now, everybody's, we're going places and we're sending things out. We're an aircraft carrier. And as I started to think about that and how that applies to the different giftings, I ran into this story. I'm just going to read it to you. It said, in Vietnam, Captain J. Charles Plum flew an F-4 Phantom jet on 74 successful combat missions. Only five days before he was scheduled to come home, he was shot down, captured, tortured, and imprisoned for 2,103 days as a prisoner of war in a communist prison camp. After he made it home, he was at a restaurant when a young man came up to him and extended his hand. You're Captain Plum, right? You're the man who ejected successfully from your F-4 Phantom jet into enemy territory and were a prisoner of war, right? Yes, he said, but how did you know all that about me? The man responded, I'm the one who packed your parachute the morning of your capture. Overcome with gratitude, Captain Plum asked, do you keep track of all the lives you saved? He said, I don't keep track of all the parachutes I packed, he responded. It's enough gratification for me just to know that I served. His answer left Captain Plum speechless. Later, he described why he was dumbfounded. And he said, here's a sailor well below the line of the aircraft carrier. The guy stands at a long wooden table and folds the silks of these parachutes while the jet jockeys, the top gun pilots, are zooming around the sky at twice the speed of sound. They couldn't have cared less about the guy down there in the hole, he said. But I cared that day when he packed the parachute for me. God, my heart um, is often pulled in the direction of comparison. It's often um, pulled in the direction of why am I not gifted in a certain way? Or it's pulled in the direction of we all have to be the same. And God, I see here, and I'm called in 1 Corinthians 12 to celebrate the diversity of giftings that you've given to us and rejoice in the fact that within that diverse giftings that you've placed in us, God, the body functions in a whole. I have, compa- I have concern and I have um, got a mutual concern for other people that you've also placed in the body of Christ. 